Anyway, take your Bible this evening and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> do appreciate, again, the faithfulness, your faithfulness. You know, as Pastor Webb was preaching on the faithful men the other night, you know, I just thought, praise the Lord, we have faithful men. You know, a lot of churches I've seen where men come kind of, you know, when it's convenient. And I'm talking about Baptist churches. And usually there's more women than men. I think we have a pretty even group here. Um, and we just praise the Lord for faithful men and faithful women, faithful young people. You know, we don't have exciting programs every week. And they stay. They stay. Um... That's a blessing. Testimony to your interest in the true things of God. Anyway, Ephesians chapter 5. We've been, of course, going through some things on the home uh, since uh, Pastor Custer was here. And tonight, we'll look at the wife and mother. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 24 says... Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word. Thank you, Father, we can have uh, assurance that we have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto we do well to take heed. And I pray, Father, that you just encourage us tonight, especially our ladies, our wives, mothers, and those that would one day desire to be mothers, and those who already have been and are now grandmothers. I pray, Father, that you just, just have a special blessing upon them and encouragement to them tonight. And... Lord, just pray that you would speak to all of our hearts and help us to realize the responsibility and the privilege that we have to serve you. And we thank you, Father, for the plan, the purpose that you've given for the home. And I pray that you'd help us to strive to be obedient to it as much as lieth within us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Everett Hunt said this, quote, from the beginning, there is much evidence of love in conjunction with the home. Love was apparent in the motive that prompted God to create woman. God saw it was not good for man to be alone, so he created a help meet for him. A help meet is not a captive held hostage, nor is she a servant to be commanded at will. She is a loving companion who enjoys mutual respect for her husband. Love gives a woman, her role in the home, unquote. And it's obvious that love is also apparent in the choice, the portion for Adam's body used by God to create Eve. She was not created from his head so he could dominate her, not created from his feet so he could trample all over her, but from his side. So she could walk beside him through all of life's experiences. 
from his side. And of course, as you think about it, every member of the family is addressed in the Scriptures and commanded to love. Uh, the husband's to love his wife. We see that here in Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wives. He was Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Uh, Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. The wife is to love her husband. Titus chapter 2 and verse 4 tells us the, the aged women are teaching young women to love their husbands, to love their children. There's to be this reciprocal love between parents and children. Again, uh, as I quoted just Titus 2.4, uh, to love our children. But Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 tells us, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So the word honor means to esteem, to value, to hold dear. Nurture means to train, correct, chasten. And of course, we heard this, we, re, we, we noticed this morning in Hebrews that are from Proverbs that uh, he that loveth his child chasteneth him betimes. Uh, there's admonition, that is calling to attention, warning. It's a mild rebuke. That's what admonition is. Putting it in their minds. Instruction. Beware of this, you know, sort of thing. Uh, that's all responsibilities of parents. And this is the kind of love that God intended to permeate the home. Uh, we find that kind of love described for in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and, uh, and verses 4 through 6. What the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 6, Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity but rejoiceth in the truth. So, you know, it's patient, it suffers long, it's kind, it's giving, it doesn't envy, there's, there's generosity there, uh, you know, that permeates the home. There's humility, it doesn't vaunt itself, it's not puffed up, uh, does not behave itself unseemly. There's courtesy, consideration for others. It doesn't seek its own, it's unselfish. There's forbearance, not easily provoked. Not easily provoked. Uh, I remember reading one time that Daniel Boone, when he was courting Rebecca, who became his wife, a campfire one night, he took his knife, his hunting knife, and cut off the hem, a portion of the hem of her skirt. And he did that to see what kind of reaction he'd get out of her. And evidently he got the kind of response that he was hoping for because he did marry her. Uh, you know, there was forbearance there. Uh, there's, there's innocence. It thinketh no evil. Thinketh no evil. And, of course, sincerity rejoiceth not in iniquity rejoiceth in truth. This is the kind of love that, you know, it isn't experienced by one big explosion during the honeymoon. No. It's a love that permeates, that's continual, that has to be carefully tended to like a fire. You have to keep wood on the fire to keep the fire burning. And so it has to be tended to to keep these sacred fires of love growing in the home. 
As we think about the wife and the mother tonight, you know, of course, the, the roles in our society have changed with the lim- women's live movement um, and the, 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 the movement against the home. Of course, we know the home is under attack uh, very seriously. Um, that, that women want equality in the workplace. They want to do everything that a man does. Um, you know, I often think that's why you, when you go to like a farm store, the bags are smaller than they used to be. You ever think about that? I remember when we bought, used to buy fertilizer, it was always 80-pound bags. And we bought feed, you could never buy anything but 100-pound bags. How many of you ladies think you could pick up a 100-pound sack of feed? Now, there's some of you that maybe could, but it would have an effect over time on your body. Why? Because God made your body different than a man's. But see, we, we have, there's lots of things that are happening in our society that are subtle. We really don't think about it that have been done. You know, the military has toned down its training. You know why? To accommodate women. You see, that women want equality in the workplace. Worldly women want equality in the workplace. And they're thinking that men can do anything that, or women can do anything that men can do. You know, kind of idea. Well, God made us different. Uh, of course, there's also the you know, other factors influencing the role of women, increased level of ed- education, uh, more women are, are college degrees and that sort of thing. And I'm not against a woman getting an education, but again, a, a godly women need to understand what the biblical role is. We'll get that a little bit little, in a minute. Uh, you know, and it creates you know women with independent income no longer dependent on husband to be provider so divorce is much easier there's government aid uh, for dependent children makes it easier for women to go it alone and you and I probably both know people women who have children that don't get married to get more government aid but in view of these changing roles in our society as Christians, we're not to be governed by society. We're to be governed by the Word of God. And it's important that as Christians, that you know, and this goes for men and women, that as Christian, as a wife and a mother, we study the Bible, and that we believe that God's way is the right way. The only way for us. Uh you know, of course, we see an increasing number of women bearing rule in our society, but the Bible tells us very clearly what that's an indication of. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 3, Isaiah chapter 3, and <clears throat> verse 1 through 5, says Isaiah 3, 1, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet, and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man, and the counselor and the cunning artificer, and the eloquent orator. Notice, I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. Have you seen that? And the base against the honorable. Look at verse 11. Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. 
As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. O my people, they which lead thee cause thee to err, and destroy the ways of thy past. The Lord standeth up to plead, and standeth to judge the people. You know, when women bear rule, it's a sign of apostasy. Men aren't taking leadership like they should. And, and, you know, we see that uh, uh, in, in our society, in our culture, more and more women in places of power in, in our nation. And, you know, and there are some of them that do very well. Better than a lot of men. But God's still not pleased with it. It's not God's design. It's not their role that God has given you see, the, the, the role of a woman, her wife, her mother, for any woman is, is to be in the submission either to her father or to her husband. And if, and if you're without a father or a husband, then you need to you know, seek advice from your pastor. But, but that's the role of women. A woman needs protection. She, they desire protection. I remember reading just here just a couple weeks ago, and I should have kept the clip. It was, you know, some Hollywood, it was somebody in Hollywood, a lady, and she was commenting about the fact that many of these women saying, we don't need men and all this stuff, and she said, the fact is, if we just admit it, every one of us would like to have a man to hold us and protect us at night and to provide for us, to have a shelter of the protection of a man. She was wise enough to admit that. So, what does it mean for to be in submission? I want you to notice, first of all, it's not submission is not simply a principle for wives only or for women only. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter five and verse twenty-one again. Ephesians five and verse twenty-one, where it says, "Submit yourselves one to another." in the fear of God. Now I have a question for you. Who here isn't under authority? Who here isn't to be under submission? No one. You say, well, we're at church and you're the pastor, so you're the the leader of the church. Yes, I am. But you know who am I in submission to? You, the body, and to Christ. You might say, well, the president's not in submission to anyone. Wait a minute. Can't he be voted out? You know, we say our government is what? By the people, for the people. That's why we have elections. So our president is under submission to the people of this country. Just as... I, as a pastor, can be voted out. I'm under, I'm under submission to this church. I have a responsibility to this church. If I don't fulfill my role as to this church, I can be voted out. See, we are all under, the, under submission to someone. We're all under somebody's authority. And the Bible says here, we're to submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, God is the ultimate authority, and all of us are under some authority that's been delegated by God. 
So submission isn't just for women. It's for everyone. In fact, they often say a good leader is a good what? Follower. He's a good follower. He knows how to follow, and if he knows how to follow, he knows how to lead others to follow him. In Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, Philippians 2, 3 and 4, Paul said, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So, submission is not a principle just for wives or women only. It does not mean the wife has become a slave. Ephesians 3, or not Ephesians, Colossians 3.18. Colossians 3.18. The Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. And again, Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, again, authority is uh, hierarchical and... And, you know, there's God, there's Christ, there's a man, there's women, woman. But if, if the man is out of his place of authority, if he commands us to obey God or to, to, to do something contrary to God, we're to obey God. We're to obey God. Because he's a delegated authority. So as it is fit or proper in the Lord, it does not mean that she never asks a question never has an opinion, or never gives advice. You know, some very wise women around. Proverbs 31, verse 26, was one of them. says, She opened her, openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her, in her tongue is the law of kindness. I mean, this, this woman in Proverbs 31 that, that Bathsheba uh, spoke about to Solomon says, you want to look for a woman who opens her mouth with wisdom. She'll give good, sound advice. Sometimes your wife can give you good advice. In Acts 18, 26, it's interesting, when Apollos came to, I think it was Corinth. But anyway, he preached the gospel of John only. And the Bible says that Aquila and Priscilla pulled him aside, and then it says this, and they spake the word of God to him more, I'm trying to remember what the word is, fully? Perfectly. No, no, I want you to notice what it says. They. It was Aquila and Priscilla. You know, and everywhere you find one of those names, you find the other one. They were, they were, they were a great team, you might say. And they, they, they instructed him. So here was Priscilla helping to instruct, helping her husband instruct Apollos and the way of God, the way of Christ, more perfectly. So she was giving advice. Of course, this was in a, not in a public setting. Uh, she wasn't preaching or anything like that. Uh, it, it does not mean that the woman is inferior to her husband. She has the same rights and privileges as anyone else. Same access to God. What it simply means is she has a different role. A different role. It's not about who's superior or who's inferior. It's about a different role in life. 
You know, 1 Corinthians 11 says the head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man. So it's about our roles in the home. So what does submission mean? Well, it is the wife's responsibility to make herself submissive. You're not going to find in the Bible where it says that the husband is commanded to make her submit. However, what you do find is God commanding the woman or the wife to submit to her husbands. Again, here in Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. 1 Peter 3.1 tells us the, the wife is to be in subjection unto her husband. So God commands that. It's to be continuous. Uh, it's, it's mandatory. It's not optional. It's a command that God gives. As is fit in the Lord. It is, a, it is a spiritual matter. Think about the context of Ephesians chapter 5 where this command is given. If you look over at verse 1, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. So wise, if you want to follow God, and then he says, if you want to walk in love, verse 2, and then he says, if you want to prove what is acceptable, verse 10, and then he says, if you want to be filled with the Spirit, verse 18, he says then, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands. And then he says to husbands, you love your wives. See, this is a spiritual matter. It's not just for the good of my home. It's a spiritual matter. And he's saying here, look, if you're going to live in obedience to the Word of God, if you're going to live a spirit-filled life, wife, mother, you're going to submit to your husband. You're going to be in submission to your husband. It's a spiritual matter. You see, to, to be spirit-filled simply means we obey the Word of God. We are obedient to the Word of God. That's what being spirit-filled is. We are obedient and we are striving to, to obey the Word of God. You know, we don't have to pray about it. We just need to do it. When the Bible gives a command, we don't have to pray about it. We just do it. Her submission is a positive, not a negative, exercise. Her attitude should be, I want to be all that God wants me to be. And I would submit to you tonight that there is, there is a great power of influence of a submissive woman. There's great power there. And I'll give you an example. Esther. Esther was a submissive queen to King Azahaz, a, a, a heathen, a, a Gentile man, a heathen king. But she, she was a submissive woman. She didn't tell him, she didn't go to him complaining and griping about what Haman was doing to try and eradicate all the Jews. She, the Bible says she entreated him. She entreated him. With a submissive spirit, she went and asked, begged him on behalf of her people. Look at, look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 3 through 5. It says, The age of women likewise, that to be in behavior has become holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, to may teach young women to be sober, 
to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Now notice this phrase, that the word of God be not blasphemed. You don't want God to be spoken against, ladies? Be submissive to your husband. Love your husband. It has a great power of positive influence, a submissive wife. I want you to notice also that it is the primary ministry. Her husband is her primary, primary ministry. Genesis 2, uh, 2.18 says, And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make and help meet for him. And then again in verse 20. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to all the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. So why did God make Eve? Why did he make woman? For man. It would be a help meet that is fit for him. And this is to be her primary ministry. Uh, Ephesians, uh, not Ephesians, First uh, Peter, chapter three. First <clears throat> Peter, chapter three, and verses one through four says, "Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wise." There's your power of influence. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair, wearing gold, or putting on of apparel. Let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So, this is the primary ministry uh, for a wife. Proverbs uh, chapter 31, verses 10 through 12 says, Who can find a virtuous woman for a price as far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. You know, she is his companion. Malachi 2 tells us she's his companion to raise a godly seed. Uh, that word companion means a person who is frequently in the company of, associates with, employed with, uh, to live with another in the capacity of a helpful friend, a mate or match for something. That's a companion. So God made woman to be man's helper. He, Man is incomplete without her. He said, I will make a help meet for him. Proverbs 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 19.14, Houses and riches are inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. God made the woman to correspond to the man. In other words, to be in agreement or conformity, to be similar, to be equal in function and position, and in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 11 and 12, it says this, 
Neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man and the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Now, there's some men that think we are better than women. Let me ask you a question. Men, would you be here if there weren't women? So there's no such thing as better, superior, or inferior. We are just made different for different roles. You know, a woman can say, have the same relationship and power with God that a man does. Now, that woman can't have the same position in a church as a man does. Because she's given a different role in the church than men are. She can't be a pastor. Can't be a deacon. Can't teach men. Because God's given us different roles. But you know, she can have an effect. As we think about it, you know, the home, she can have an effect greater than men can have in the home of Raising and training children, they'll grow up and serve the Lord. You know, probably the greatest influence on Samuel's life, without, without a doubt, was Hannah. And the greatest influence on Moses was Jochebed. Because after all, you know, they were only in their homes till they were weaned. And then they were taken out from under their father's authority, their father's leadership, and placed in, placed in other homes where they, they didn't have their father's leadership, godly leadership, and yet they turned out for God. Some of the greatest men in, in the Bible. Who had that great influence? I'm sure there was some influence of, of Moses' father and Samuel's father, but the greatest influence was their mothers. Their mothers. Also, think about this. All, what she's involved in must have connection with her husband. That's really what companion means. There's a working together. Proverbs 31.12 again says, She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Titus 2.5 So teach young women to love their husbands, to love their children. You know, there isn't justification in the Bible for career woman. Now, I don't believe it's wrong for a a wife or mother to necessarily have some other income or be doing some work. But it comes at the sacrifice of our home, then I believe it's wrong. I was sent this article to another pastor some time ago, and I filed it. It's titled Working Women. It says that they may teach young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, Chase, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. For such Titus 2, 4, and 5. Today there are so many things that compete for the time and affections of a godly woman. 
There are careers, bigger homes to live in, nicer cars to drive. And what falls by the wayside? Being keepers at home and placing husbands and children first after the Lord, of course. In the beginning, when God created everything and called it good, the family unit was intact. They lived together, they worked together, they learned together. Today, the family unit is under attack and has many cases fallen apart. There is a direct attack by the enemy of God to undermine what the Lord has established. Husbands are called to be providers and heads of their homes, Ephesians 5.23. Women are to help their husbands, but first priority would be to keep and guard the home. That's what a keeper at home is, to keep and guard the home, loving their husband and raising their children. In Proverbs 31, if you read that, are these verses specific regarding how much time the woman was outside the home? How many of these verses can apply to things that she did inside the home? Did she perhaps take her children with her to deliver her goods as she taught them to be productive? Or did she find babysitters or perhaps put them in care of others to train because she was too busy? Would that be loving her children? When you compare Titus and Proverbs verses, do they conflict? What if you also factor in 1 Timothy 5, 14, does that conflict with the whole of Scripture regarding women's priorities or support it? He said, the challenge to us is, are you doing things the way the Lord says in His Word, or have you fallen in the world's way? Pray and rearrange your family priorities. That is needful. Uh, it's not how many hours you work, but his question is, if your husband and children become second or third priority to your employment, if you have children, consider generating your income from home, or if you find your priorities are not in line God's Word, then you need to change them. See, her first priority was her husband, and then her home. By the way, her first priority is her husband. Her husband. Children come later. Don't let your children come between you and your husband. And husbands, don't let your children come between you and your wife. Your first priority is your spouse. Your spouse. You know, of course, it kind of goes without saying, she doesn't do anything that's harmful or detrimental to her husband. You know, Genesis 2.18, she's a help meet for him. Proverbs 31.12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Uh, Proverbs 18.22, who the findeth a wife findeth a good thing, obtaineth favor of the Lord. So let's look then at some things, ways in which she can help her husband. First of all, make the home a place where your husband wants to be. You know, it should be a place of love, encouragement, comfort, refuge. I remember years ago when I was working for this family that I worked for for a year, the oldest boy was a year older than me, and, and I was 20, I guess I was 21 or 22 at the time. And this, this young fellow was, you know, he was certainly a very eligible young man, uh, well set for life, but he had no prospects of a wife. I mean, he had, you know, dated few girls. But and we were having a family get together there of 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 his mother's family, and one of his uncles was chiding him a little bit, and he said, "You know, you need you need to find your wife. You know, somebody to comfort you when your baler breaks down, and somebody to encourage you when this happens on the farm, and so on and so forth." You know, that's a wonderful thing to have a wife that you can come home to that can comfort you and encourage you. That's, that makes home a refuge. 
And we find that here in the Proverbs 31 woman. It says, The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have no need of spoil. He knows that he can go home and there's a place of refuge there. Place of refuge there. Uh, be, to be, be dependable, consistent, trustworthy. Again, Proverbs 31, verse 12. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Verses 16 and 17. It says, She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands she planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her heart. This woman is industrious. She's also thrifty. She knows what to do with, with the resources that she has. She has wisdom. She knows how to use her time wisely and use the resources she has wisely. Don't be a habitual complainer. You know, Proverbs, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about a virtuous woman and a good wife, but also has some things about a complaining or a grouchy woman. Four times in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 21.9 It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. 21.19 It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. Proverbs 25.24 It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Proverbs 27.15 a continual dropping in a very rainy day and a contentious woman are like. Nobody wants to be around, around a grouch or a complainer. You know, don't unload when your husband gets home right when he gets in the door although you may feel like it. Because, you know, he's been out in the world working. And when you, when you work in the world, there's a lot of stuff you have to put up with. Just like, you know, you women say, and I hear you, I understand. You put up with those children all day long. Keeping the house. You wash the clothes on Monday. You wash them again on Wednesday. You wash the same ones on Friday. It's over and over again. You cook meals in 50 minutes, it's gone. You know, you do the same things over and over again. So sometimes it's monotonous. But that's the ministry God gave you, to be a keeper of the home. Train up. You've got to think about, what am I, what's my purpose? What's my goal here? Just as when we go, we, we men, we go out in the world to work, we have a reason why we're going there. We have to face many times opposition problems and solve problems and, and work through problems and deal with people that are, you know, you know what I'm saying. So don't be a complainer, a habitual complainer or grouch. Or, your husband may not want to come home. I feel sorry for some husbands. So I've, I've said a few times, 
Man, I sure wouldn't want to go home to her. And I'm not talking about any of you ladies here. Keep yourself beautiful for the Lord and your husband. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corrupt, but even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God of great price. For after this man in the old time, the holy women also trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter is yours, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, I want you to think about something. We, you know, it, it talks about you know, the, the adorning, let it not just be the outward. But it's not saying you shouldn't adorn the outward at all. But he said the most important is the inner. And if the inner is right, the outward will follow. If we have a right spiritual atmosphere, we will want to take care of the body that God has given us. What does 1 Corinthians 16 tell us? Or not 16. Chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. We're to glorify God in what? Our bodies and our spirit, which are God's. God wants us to take care of our bodies. If you read the scripture, and especially you think about Sarah, how was she described as a beautiful woman? Not just in her inner man, but her outer as well. She she kept herself beautiful for her husband. Uh, you know, sloppiness, just as like, you know, sloppiness affects you in other ways. You know what they found out? That if public schools have a dress code, children are much better behaved. That's not rocket science. You know, if I just put on my work clothes and go to the office, or I would put on some visiting clothes, not necessarily quite like this, but, you know, more casual, dress up a little bit, and go to the office, it has a mental, psychological effect on my study time. You know, it's been proven that if you dress up, you tend to act more mannerly, orderly, more respectful. And if you if we keep ourselves, you know, if we if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't care about how we look, it's going to affect how we live. Of course, maintain a good spiritual life. We find that here in 1 Peter 3, verse 2. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. In verse 4, let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God a great, of great price. So, you know, these, these, things are, these things are the fruits, I believe, of a spiritual life. A spiritual woman will want to please her husband. She'll want to submit to her husband. She'll have a desire to love her husband, to love her children, and to, and to see that their needs are met. 
There's a loyalty also to her husband and to her children. Well, let me give you just a few things. And I shouldn't end on a negative note, but some ways a wife may attempt to use things to control her husband. Scheduling. A domineering woman may develop a rigid schedule to bring her husband under control. Of course, spending. She may use charge cards to keep her husband off balance financially. Now, I knew of an instance where if a family got short of money, the wife would take the credit card and go buy a bunch of groceries. And I thought, lady, that is foolish. But that's what she did. I don't know if she was trying to say, you know, just show you a thing or two. They weren't real close, you should say. She may use her body as a weapon. Become cold and, and, and negative and withhold herself from him. That is a sin against God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 through 5. First Corinthians chapter seven verses three through five, where the Bible says, "Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and the likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer." Come together again, let Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. But she can use her body as a weapon to get, to manipulate her husband to get what she wants. Sobbing. Now, sometimes women can use sobbing or tears to get their own way. How did Delilah get the secret out of Samson. She wept. Day after day. Wept sore. Now, they weren't real tears. They were crocodile tears, as we would call them. Because she had a motive. She did it on purpose. Um, Spirituality. Here's another one. I've seen this. Some women... Some women are more spiritual than their husbands. And I'll grant that. They are. But they better be careful not to use that to take control of the family. We've had them come here a few times, years back. And my wife and I would go home and said, it's pretty obvious who rules the roost there. And I think it was obvious she was had more interest in spiritual things than he did. But her attitude would also turn him away. 
from learning and growing. Then she it was obviously used it to gain control to you to to get control. Um, so these are things that again we have to guard against. You know, we men have to we we've got things we have to guard against. Not being bitter against our wives. We have to love them unconditionally. Hey, they're going to have faults. They're going to have weaknesses. We must learn to lead them, to help them, to encourage them, as well as they us. It works both ways. But see, just as the wife is commanded to be submissive to her husband, the husband is commanded to love his wife. And Dot doesn't say, if. He just says, love your wife, submit to your husband. You see, this is God's plan. And I don't know if about you, but as I look out in the world, and the way our society has gone, and as we've turned away from God's plan, is what the world doing better? I think we know the obvious answer to that. God's plan works. God knows what He's doing. God made us. God designed us. He knows what our needs are. He knows what a child needs. And a child needs parents. And that's God's plan. Of course, sin corrupts that plan. And God gives grace to those that minister their children alone. But it is God's plan. Something we could seek after. Wives, be in submission to your own husbands that the Word of God be not blasphemed.